0: episode of the Autism Podcast. My name is Dr. Chris Papadopoulos and I'm the lead of the London Autism Group charity and co-host of this podcast. I hope all of our listeners are keeping well and safe in these very unsettling and anxiety provoking times. Clearly the coronavirus pandemic represents a public mental health emergency for all of us and I think the autism community are particularly vulnerable due to the situation, threatening routines, struck access to usual external support and services and access to support from family, friends and the wider community. Because of this, the charity has been working hard on supporting the mental health of the autism community. We've increased the support we give on the London Autism Facebook group. We're about to launch an instant messaging mental health service and also a neighbourhood peer support connection initiative. One of the other things we've begun doing is a series of live streams with interviews of autistic people and advocates around the topic of mental health and well-being within the autism community. Today's podcast episode is the audio from one of these recent live streams in which we talked with Lola Alvarez Romano about how the autism community can support their mental health, self-care and boost their resilience during this unsettling time. Lola, who featured in a previous episode of the autism podcast, is an expert in mental health and a senior NHS psychotherapist so it was great to talk to her about this and get her invaluable insight i think it was a really useful discussion and therefore i decided it was worth uploading as a standalone podcast episode so that more people could access it and potentially benefit from the advice and suggestions provided the video recording is also available on our youtube channel which you can find by going to youtube and searching for the london autism group charity we'll be uploading our other live streams there also I also want to let you know that we've updated our website to demonstrate all of the things that the charity is currently doing. The address of the website is londonautismgroupcharity.org That is londonautismgroupcharity.org If you visit it, you'll see that we're looking for volunteers to support us in our work during this difficult period. You don't have to be in London or even UK based, so if you do have time and wish to support us and are interested in mental health in particular, please do get in touch with us via the website. Anyway, thanks for listening to this intro. I do hope everybody's keeping safe and well, and now I'm happy to bring you the live stream, a talk with Lola Alvarez Romano about mental health and well-being for the autism community during the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: It's good to see you both. Hi, James. How are you doing? Yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm with fun. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. Thanks
0: thanks for joining, James. So obviously you are one of the trustees of the London Autism (coughs) Group Charity, who who are, you know, hosting this uh, live stream, and we're really honoured to have uh, you on the on the live stream, Lola Alvarez Romano. Uh, do you want to give us a little intro about yourself, Lola?
2: Um. Well. Okay. Yes, I'm. Uh. My name is obviously Lola. Um. I'm a child and adolescent psychotherapist and an adult psychotherapist. Um. I've worked in the NHS for a number of years, and I also work in. I've worked in CAD adolescent mental health for a number of years and I also work in a special school for children with and multiple disabilities where I do support for families. So that's me. wonderful. Um, great, great and, to have you. Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot. And we've also got Daryl as well. I don't know if I yes. want to say hello
1: to Daryl there, James. <laughs> He's busy at the moment. Is I think he, busy, he, right? he may work his way over. Yeah. You know. Please excuse okay. me, any interruptions?
0: No, no, so, uh, we'd be happy to have him join us my little boy uh, in the discussion, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay, so a few more people are logging in now. Looks like we've got about 10 people at the moment. Yay. So, yeah, just to give a little bit more context to the purpose of the live stream. So the purpose of this live stream is to talk about some of the issues, mental health issues that the autism community, by that I mean autistic people uh, and their families and wider networks, might um, experience um, because of the COVID-19 uh, epidemic. You know, in particular, I'm thinking about, you know, all of the routines that are being disrupted, um, all of the sort of predictability of life, all of the structure of life being shaken up, um, access to services and uh, families and friends, uh, and and so it's it's a very it must be a very very strange and confusing and anxiety provoking time for a lot of people, uh, particularly I believe I I suspect uh, the autistic population and the wider community. So because of that, we thought it would be a prudent thing and helpful thing for the charity to uh, uh, run some of these live streams. So we're going to try and do this weekly with different people, different special guests. And yes, we have Lola with us this week, which is great because Lola obviously you've got your expertise in mental health and psychotherapy and you've done a lot of work with um, autistic people and families. Um, So it's just great to have your insight and talk about how the community might look after themselves, what some of the issues may be, um, and any general good advice that you might have. Um, And if questions come in, um, I will sure pick them up and highlight them. Um, But In fact, we do have a specific question that was sent to us, Uh, so maybe we should start there. Um, Okay, so the question that was sent through on Twitter was as follows. My daughter with Asperger's and anxiety has had to take on so much. She just got a job that she loves, a teaching assistant in a school for vulnerable children I'm immu. I'm immunosuppressed, and we live with my seventy-five-year-old dad. So it's all change and fear, um, and uh, sh- and her shopping. She is amazing, but struggling. So Lola, obviously, I think a lot of people are going to be feeling this way. You know, as I said, a lot of change, a lot of anxiety. I think it'd probably be particularly scary if you're living with elderly people who are perhaps vulnerable to the to the uh, uh, coronavirus, particularly vulnerable. Um, So, have you got any thoughts about that particular question? Any advice?
2: Well, I think, you know, you've already said some of this. I think we need to start by saying that these are very anxiety-provoking times for all of us. Um, And that uh, perhaps, uh, you know, one of the main differences might be that autistic people deal with anxiety a little bit worse at times than the rest of us. But I think the my guess is that not just autistic people that their families and all their surroundings are going to be in a heightened state of anxiety because mm. of uh, you know the news changing every single day. Um, so I think it is in a way it is difficult to avoid um mm. some of these permeating into in into us um for for an autistic person, I think what they need to do, is, is something more along the lines of being able to impose filters on reality, really. Sort of uh, mediate, you know, choose which sources of information they they want to listen to. Because I think it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. And like I said, this applies to all of us in the neurotypical population too. Uh, that when you have too much information and there is information coming from all sides, particularly today with social media, so and you know the news channels are on practically the whole day talking about the same things, and there is special programs and all of this. So mm-hmm. I think one of the first things I would recommend for autistic people and for the general population is choose which sources of information you are going to, you know, give access to because it to have access to because um, it's very easy to feel that you know, you're being swamped by all all of that's coming our way. Uh, And I think for an autistic person, feeling overwhelmed is quite a familiar feeling when they have too much input, too many inputs at once, particularly because it involves having to differentiate uh, who do I believe, what do I believe. If information is contradictory, uh, you have to start sort of assessing which one you, you know, you're going to listen to and which one you aren't. And it's very easy to get into a, into a, a quite a negative spiral, actually. Um, so that would be my first recommendation for any autistic person out there. I mean, uh, I and I, 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 just, and I on think a lot of typical people, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, it's, because it can get really, really quite uh, overwhelming for all of us. Yeah. I think the other thing is the thing that I recommend autistic young people that I work with is... To find, to find a safe place in in their home, or a place where they can go and regain some of this equilibrium that they lose when they feel overwhelmed. So this could be, um, you know, their be- bedroom. It could be a particular point in the garden. It could be uh, holding an object or being with someone, a place that they experience as helping them to to. Get hold of themselves a bit more. Um, and choose you know choose the times when that is necessary. And that also takes me to the to something that um, is quite important, I think, which is that we're all a little bit out of the routine. Um, so build a new routine, build a new routine because it it could be that schools are out. you know a lot of schools are working remotely. Some children have got um, work sent from school. Some others don't. Some of them are more left to their own devices. Parents are overwhelmed with everything they have to do because they have to homeschool their children as well as thinking about how they're going to pay bills and how long this is going to last and not being able to see the grandparents for fear of contagion. There are so many things, So so many forms that families are fighting simultaneously at this moment that you know it's very easy for parents to also be a little bit more stressed um so i think it would help parents and children um and autistic people in general really to to build up a new routine to think of to think of the following day and plan what they're going to do at this time what they're going to do afterwards with I would put a few breaks in between, so that they can have, they can give themselves time out for the times when they might feel they might have a spike in anxiety, actually, because of something that they've listened to, or something that they've watched on on the news, or you know, or just a feeling that you know, sometimes just being with our own thoughts can create anxiety for us um, when suddenly we have a worrying thought. So, you know, it's it's about sort of building a new routine, which is it's a bit of a tall order because we don't know how long this is going to last. Yeah. And I, and that's also problematic, isn't it? Because if you think, well, you know, a couple of weeks and then we're back to normal. But we don't know. The reality is that the more this thing has advanced, the more we realize we don't know. No one knows. Yeah,
0: it's a big so, challenge. Yeah.
2: It's a big challenge to sort of think. well, I'm building a new routine, but I don't know how long it's going to last. So my recommendation is build a routine for a week or for for four days. And if that works, see if you can stretch it a bit more. Maybe some things have worked really well in that routine. Some other things haven't. So maybe you can think of something else. You, you You can take something out and add something in, which is different. So think about uh, modest goals. You know, don't think about a whole month because that might you might just get lost in that. I
0: think that's think very about important. what
2: you're going to do the following week.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Monday to Friday, you may want to do something slightly different on weekend. But always sort of have a sense of um, in your mind of the things that you're going to do, how you're going to go about them, and the times that when you may need to take time out. And I think again that applies to all of us, but for people with, you know, for autistic people, it's it's a very important part, really, to feel that they've got uh, a bit of space, a bit of space to process things that might uh, require perhaps a bit more effort.
0: I think I think just in terms of, um, you know, in recognition of the challenge that lies ahead. Uh, You know, as you described, you know, it's a big challenge. But in recognition of that, it might be useful. I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but it might be useful to sort of build sort of self-confidence that you have have the ability to rise to challenging circumstances uh, based on previous successes. So it might. Mm. I was thinking it might be it might be helpful for people to, you know, sort of consciously think up those those particularly those times in life where big transitions and change have occurred and anxi- as similar types of anxieties have arisen as a consequence. Um, and, you know, sort of reflect upon, actually, I got through that. I, I Yes, it was challenging. Yes, there may have been bumps, but overall, you know, it was a useful journey and there were there were some wins. You know, there were always going to be wins in every situation. So perhaps sort of, um, you know, in, in build because I think you know as you said you know it is there's it, it so much going on it is so difficult it is a big challenge but sort of self talk is going to help you know build some reassurance um, uh, reflect on previous wins I think is going to uh, probably be useful uh, would you agree
2: I think that's always that's always useful and and I always that's something also I always do with autistic young people we always go back to places where places or things that they have done that have made them uh, feel good, have made them calm down, Uh, which could be, like I said, could be a a place, could be a thought, could be doing something. Um, You know, I think going over the past and seeing what you can pick up from the past that you can still use, I think is always useful. Um, I, I was thinking about the question and I was thinking about the young woman who... Who is you know has a job? She lives with her parents, and and the the I think the health of, in the family is compromised, and there is an elderly person. I think see that those things are anxiety-provoking by by themselves, particularly in the current climate. You know, so again, I think I would recommend staying with the here and now, staying with the present. Because if you start to think about what might be happening at what what point again it's going to feel overwhelming and um, can, it can create a huge, a huge anxiety so
0: yeah, I, I fully agree. Yeah. i mean i think I think you've got to. It's, it's going to be useful. I don't know if you agree with this also, but it'd be, it's going to be useful to sort of realize that there are some things that, that are controllable. and and many things, especially in this situation, that are not. Um, And sort of recognizing that a lot of this, maybe 60, 70% of it is not under your control and sort of accept that, you know. um, I think it's perhaps wasted energy to try to, um, the valuable energy to try to control and, and, you know, lose yourself to stress over things that are not controllable, you know. Um, And and I liked your earlier suggestion about some examples as to how we could maybe control some of this. For example, you were saying that, you know, okay, produce new routines, find new routines that you can put into your everyday new life, set modest doable goals for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, And you also said something very important, I think, which is to find a safe timeout space, a place that you can sort of recenter regulate that you find safe and that you know recharges you i think if you can find that space in your home wherever it is uh, and then perhaps you know recognize when you need to access that you know so again self-thinking self-reflection um those are sort of controllable doable helpful things i think uh so that's really 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 useful what what do you think james
1: um i would Thinking uh, from an autistic point of view, um, we have, I, I totally agree with, with a lot of what you're saying. Um, in our lives, we have already sort of come. we've had our personal crisis, crisis um, throughout our lives and we've learned to cope, we've developed mm. coping mechanisms already mm. um, and we've found things that comfort us in stressful times Um, And I think it's uh, what I've been doing is uh, setting a limit on um, on looking at the news because it is it does bombard you and it is so negative. It's Mm. such a a negative force in our lives. Um, And it's it's very difficult not to fixate on it. So um, I've been setting time like I'll watch the news for a short time in the morning and a short time in the evening. And that's it. And then I'll find, um, I'll do whatever tasks I have to do, but in whatever break times that I've got, I'll um, do something that, that's a hobby that's really comforting to me. Mm, um,
2: yes, I yeah. think that's a good idea. Mm.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, I, was thinking, yeah go. I was
2: thinking about that today as well because... Um, this just came to me this morning uh and i thought it coincided with doing this uh thing with with the with you with the london autism group i was thinking about boris johnson's um diagnosis that mm. he's uh he's got the coronavirus and i was thinking well this you know whatever your thoughts are about him which you know we're not going to enter in in that debate um for the prime minister to be sick with this it's, I, I was just thinking, for some people, it might also feel as if, you know, the father of, you know, well, he's in a sort of, he's the prime minister, he's the person in charge of the government. Um, he's off sick, who's going to look after, you know, the whole thing. Then he, I, I think probably he was, you know, assessed and he did a, a message in a remote way saying, I'm still going to be managing blah, blah, blah. And I thinking, well, depending on how sick you are, uh, you may or may not be able to do that, but I was just thinking how that sort of new development of a politician who's, at the, you know, who's the prime minister being sick with this thing that everyone is fighting against, how that may have caused anxiety in a lot of different corners of the country, really. Uh, but about you know who's in charge, where where you know the uh, scientists. And you know the chief medical officer and all these people are advising the prime minister. Minister, but it's still, you know, what I'm saying is that these things that are a bit accidental and just are what they are can also easily raise anxiety in the population. Um, yeah. Because initially there was one type of advice as to what we should all be doing, and then the advice changed. All of these things um, probably make people wonder how safe we are actually if the if the advice keeps changing so i think everyone has to now develop a bit of um day by day because things can change day by day just have modest goals have goals for the next three four days have goals for the week um and what works this week might work the following week, and if things change externally, it could be that you need to introduce something else in that routine, which yeah. may involve more time out, may involve uh, you know more of a sensorial experience that ha- helps you to feel be- better and you know feel calmer. Uh, so you know, my advice is make the plan, but be also willing to review it. Yeah. Because this is what they do with with autistic young people. Sometimes we make a plan with the, the school, for example, about what's going to happen if they, if they feel you know very anxious or and then that plan worked for a couple of weeks, and then something else there may be a new element in it, which could be you know a new lesson, or it could be something's happening in the school or builders in the school could be anything. It introduces another variable, mm. so you always need to have a routine. But not one that is re- written in stone. You know, be prepared to introduce new elements to it that are connected with your sense of well-being. Um,
0: That's great. I, I agree. I, I was also thinking about um, again. I mean, just following up on your on your idea about you know self reflection and being quite sort of conscious about your sort of thoughts and plans and being quite strategic. But I think I think something else I thought I thought that might be useful is you know again picking up on, on what James was saying about and what you were saying about Boris, all of the news, all of the wider anxieties associated with that being bombarded with all this information and everything else, I think there is a vul, a, a particular vulnerability here for as a particular risk for people to catastrophize to panic. Um, I think it's, you know, reasonable to feel stressed and anxious and worried, but I don't think it's reasonable to think that catastrophizing the situation is going to help you, really. Um, So while I think it's reasonable to feel very concerned and confused and anxious, I don't think it's reasonable that those thoughts are going to help you going forward strategically. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of a big believer in cognitive, you know, uh, restructuring, let's say, where you sort of try to, you know, through self-talk and perhaps through bouncing off ideas with, you know, others, um, you know, think about how and where exactly you might be able to change your thoughts from being unhelpful in that way for going to for your mental health, essentially, and, and going forwards to being in a more healthy place, you know, um, like we said, recognizing that the situation isn't going to be fully in your control, in your control. Um, there is likely to be a light at the end of the tunnel and there is reason to be hopeful. You know, there are things you can do to control certain aspects, such as, as you said, James, finding things that you're that you enjoy to do, you know, to regulate yourself. You know, all of these? There are many things that you can do that are more helpful and beneficial to perhaps, you know, very, very, you know, uh, 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 almost polluting thoughts. You know, I think it's okay to recognize yeah. there's a bad situation, but not to let that pollute your your being, you know, and, and mm-hmm. as I said, focus on those things that are more health healthy, in, you know, in your life, Con- controlling your routines, as you said, finding things that you enjoy doing, Uh, and the other thing we haven't mentioned yet i think is access support you know we're lucky that we live in
2: that's what i was going going to say actually you know once you've done everything you can do for yourself um you know who which person out there can give you a sense of you know can convey a sense of calmness and well-being or can say to you look let's just think about this what do you need to do what would you normally do in this case because again this is this is what i do with young people with young autistic people we normally go through plans we make plans for the situations that they may encounter um and you know these are different for everyone everybody is different and uh, you know it's not a one size fits all at all everybody has different ways of managing um and finding someone who can who is aware of this uh, sort of struggle that you may come up against and can help you to go through the the motions, you know. It can help you to go through the steps to help you to calm down, to help you to feel a bit more um, in command again, in control. That can be really useful. So really, the the what I would recommend is first of all you make your own plans. You you know you plan your day, you develop your routine and all of that. But then, which person in your family or friends, or it could be an online friend uh can yeah. be there for you to help you to regain some of that because sometimes you know when we're by ourselves it's a little bit difficult to get out of a certain mindset yeah. if you if, if if it has become you know if you feel bombarded by those um worrying thoughts yeah so to to go to a, a, another person that you know that you have already identified and the person knows you well and the person knows that they're there to help you to take those steps, go through those motions with you, that can be a great help. And like I said, that could come in any number of ways. It could be a yeah. friend, a neighbor, a family member, or an online friend. Um, it's just another mind that helps your mind to, to slow itself down and regain some sense of stability.
0: Yeah, and obviously there's loads of Facebook groups, obviously, a bit of self-promotion here, the London Autism Group, it's got people's backs, Uh, and the charity as well, just to sort of, you know, say again that the charity are are going to implement a couple of other things to support people's mental health, uh, including, we have this idea of uh, uh, training some volunteers to support people through instant messaging which might be mm. which might be useful yeah. so i think just recognizing that you're not actually fully alone understanding that support could potentially be very helpful for you you certainly yes. won't get any of the benefits if you don't attempt to uh, access any support um uh, that that you know that's worth thinking about so we have a question i don't know if you can see the question uh, lola i
2: can yes oh, okay be- so yeah.
0: So yes, yeah, so the question here is from Lily Van uh, Verdriet uh, who asks uh-huh. how do people deal with being in lockdown when they have uh, an oppositional defiant disorder? Um, so um, I'm going to assume that she is talking about um, her, her, I don't know, one of her family members, has her, 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 her child perhaps. Definitely. Yeah, oh. um, so that's a tricky one. Obviously. Um, ODD oppositional defiant disorder. You know, it, it's the idea that you know um, uh, uh, autistic people or whoever it is uh, can can really sort of get into a, a consistent pattern of defiance and oppositional responses yeah. uh, uh, more so than perhaps um, the the you know the neurotypical population. Um, so that, I think that's a really really good question because that's another sort of level. Of difficulty isn't it um, I have some thoughts about that uh, Lily so we'll get into them I'm sure James is as well but mm. um, uh, Lola have you got any to start with
2: um, well uh, start and then I'll get some <laughs> I, I, oh, okay, I was just okay. thinking <laughs> well, i just trying to get my thoughts together yeah sure sure sure
0: sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'm happy to go or, or else James you, can, you want to pick this one up or shall I
1: uh, I think you go first, then I'll go. Okay,
0: okay, okay. Okay. So my thoughts on this is that obviously oppositional defiance disorder um, uh, is um, a, a, a very very challenging thing. However, in my opinion, a lot of the defiance stems from, uh, and I don't want to sort of underplay anything, or, or I don't want to sound. I don't want to sort of un- under appreciate the difficulty of it. I think a lot of it can be, to some extent, mitigated and managed through really understanding the granularity of the antecedents of what the defiance, why the defiance is happening. Obviously, you have to be very, very uh, sort of of, uh, meticulous in your investigation as to you know what's leading to those uh, Mm behaviours and those defiant, defiant uh, responses. But it could well be that in many instances they are actually quite reasonable, given the variables that are being plugged in. Um, and so it's important to understand those variables. would be Would be my uh, my advice in in these sorts of things. But the problem is that obviously when you when you're in the situation that we're in, things are upside down. Everything is much much more harder. And being meticulous and very um, sort of patient with these things and and, and uh, being energized to tackle these things is particularly difficult you have to be very resilient very patient very uh energized mentally uh, and have a lot of time and space to be able to really dissect these sorts of things and really work with it but in the in the current climate all of that is 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 is, is challenged so I, I don't think there is a unfortunately a, a magic solution to this situation other than our my advice would be to be very as much as you can uh, accepting uh, and, um, and 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 um, you know uh, sort of patient and calm in response to it and and to sort of self think that actually there may very well be a lot of reasons as to what's underpinning those responses that you can't see at the moment, but you may see down the line um. Uh, uh, so to be mindful of that but I appreciate obviously it is a very very difficult one in the circumstances that we're in where you know our energy is much lower our mental energy is lower, our resilience is lower there's all sorts of reasons for why there might be uh, problems in this way because of the you know mixing people's world to mix up the upside down situation we all find ourselves in so it's particularly Um. difficult. the The other thing I would say is one other thing I would say is to sort of try to as a as a as a person responding to this certainly try to charge yourself mentally using some of the tips that Lola is describing you know like find social support you know find new routines congratulate yourself with with any victory with the victories you know don't beat yourself up with the with the with the uh the bumps in the road you know and be kind to yourself Uh, you know that is going to you know, help you in those difficult, challenging uh, interactions. Uh, th- those are my sort of initial mm. thoughts.
2: James, do you have any thoughts, or shall I say something? What do you think?
1: Um, just some very brief uh, thing. I think um, demand avoidance is such a it's a massive topic, and um, mm. I think as as Chris was saying you know it 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 normally in in, under normal circumstances it can take a long Mm -hmm. time you have to be very look at it in a very calm way and um be a play a detective role and look at all the all the sort of factors of the it it could be anything that's causing causing these kind of things It could be um many many different issues that we all uh, uh neurodiverse people suffer with it could be um sensory issues it could you know it could be many many different things that are contributing to it um so um there is um a an organization called the um pda society the hmm. uh, pathological demand avoidance it's also known hmm. as yeah um, and they are very very good um so uh they um have a web- <coughs> website um and they give advice on there that, that's really, really good. Um, so I'd recommend going to them. Um, but um, good anyway, I'll, I'll hand over to you now, <laughs> Lola.
2: Well, no, I was just going to add something that normally we recommend as well, um, which is, um, again, you know, setting up some kind of a routine, always keeping in mind that things are so so different from what how life normally would be you know so that this is going to impact the parents and consequently the, the children um is you know when you set up sort of when you are trying to build a routine for a young person who who, who might have this presentation um it's always good to set goals and to also think about the steps that lead towards the, those goals. So, uh, because uh, I think a, a sudden change in route, sort of if, if there is an activity and then that activity comes to an end and then it's, an, it's always good to say, well, you know, you can play this for another 15 minutes and then I will ask you to switch it off and then do this and then we'll move on to this and this and that. Mm. So, of advanced warnings normally um, work, or at least help uh, to, you know, to make the transition from one activity to another, because otherwise the the temptation is sort of, to, you know, uh, to to not have any boundaries, which is just not to have a confrontation or just not uh, not to be faced with with an oppositional um, episode. Uh, So, you know, to set goals and to also be mindful of the steps that lead towards those goals. So think about the transitions in between the different bits of the routine. Um, Because, I mean, it's it's far too complex for us to sort of give a quick solution here Mm -hmm. in terms of what the history might be for that. But in any case, I think facilitating transitions is always a a useful thing, um, you know. That's that's my well something I, I I recommend to a lot of families in these situations.
0: I hope that's helpful to some extent, Lily. Uh, feel free to uh, respond in the comments if you'd like to pick anything up. Um, thank you, Inge uh, Spawn, for your feedback. There, great point, Lola. Love your point of view. We also <laughs> had Mary Dunville i done Billy earlier saying, um, well said, Lola, though a big mm. challenge, uh, mm. it is doable. Uh, and also thank you to Timothy Lewis. Uh, great point, Chris Papadopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's yeah. fine. Uh, okay, so um, I just wanted to add a couple of other thoughts uh, more broadly as to, you know, on the topic that we're on. And what about Lola and James? What are your thoughts about... Uh, externalizing concerns, you know, such as uh, journal entries and uh, uh, diarizing things. The reason why I bring it up is because my son, uh, my uh, 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 eldest son, uh, who's uh, uh, 10 years old, he's really been struggling with everything, Uh, you know, exactly what we're talking about in terms of shake up with routines, what he was expecting isn't going to be happening you know, uh um not being able to do all the things that he enjoys that regulate him. He's really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I sort of recommended right from the beginning to to center him and to enable him to cope was this idea of externalizing through a a vlog, a daily vlog. So he's sort of got this YouTube daily three, four minute video <laughs> entry that he does where he describes how he's what he's thinking, what he's feeling, you know, whatever he wants to say and I, I mean at least in my in my uh in my own anecdotal point perspective it seems to to sort of recharge him and re regulate him and recenter him and reduce anxiety each time he does it
2: wow. um
0: uh, uh e- even if it's temporary <laughs> it's a win of of of, of sorts um so and 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 it might be something also useful uh, that might be useful retrospectively to look back on mm. later on as as a sort of uh, a a, tr- a track of the journey you know and 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 a, a source of reflection maybe later on down the line um what about that have you any thoughts? I think that's
2: a great idea i i really i think I think it's very, very useful, uh, and I'm glad you brought it up, actually, because it's a very useful thing and something I recommend too, to, which is um, that while it's down on on paper, in a diary or in a blog, while it's out there and you can look at it, it's not inside your mind going round and round in a sort of more chaotic way. Mm-hmm. Once it's out on paper, which could be you know through something written, something drawn or something recorded, in the case of your your son, you know, once it's out there, it allows you to look at it. It gives you a bit of distance Mm -hmm. from those things that otherwise are a bit more of a disorganized chaos in your mind. So bringing it out allows you a third point of view, almost, uh, on your own thoughts. And I think that can really help. And you're right that that can also help uh, further down the line in terms of... Do you remember when you felt so overwhelmed that day? And then you did this and that helped. So it's almost as if it helps them to, it helps autistic people to build up a little bit of of a toolkit of things that can help them in situations in the future. And this is what we do with young people, what I try to do with young people. Um, Think of things that they can do when they're faced with uh, unpredictable stuff, which, you know, can happen, I think families for the most part try to keep things as stable as possible but for example what's happening now with the coronavirus no one is very stable anywhere um so you know remembering how you manage that situation that you found so stressful which could be you know saying goodbye to someone finishing school or having to go on holiday to a certain place that you're not very sure of you know all of these things that bubble up as anxieties if you've conquer those that's something for you to remember how you managed to do that and some of those skills you know can be brought back to saying actually I did manage that and yes I was very worried but I did manage um, so that you know I managed that so I might be able to manage the, this as well i think these sort of uh, sort of quite concrete aids are very useful
0: yeah uh, it goes back to what we were saying about earlier, you know, in terms of, you know, recognising his historical wins, you know, and having yeah. something concrete, as you described, to actually remind yourself of the challenges that you know the, and the complexities of that challenge that you actually processed and got through, in, in you know, in your own way. Uh, that that can be reassuring, give you that that confidence that that yeah. helps uh, beat off um, uh, anxiety. Uh, the other thing that we should probably mention i think is is sort of checking in with each other right as a family unit you know Mm. if we can communicating you know whatever way communication works in your family because because of course communication works in different ways doesn't have to always be verbal um uh, but as much as possible uh, you know i'd recommend uh uh, really communicating and checking in regularly about how people are feeling what they're thinking Mm. You know, um, I think that 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 can be quite helpful. And and if it leads to some some sort of positive outcome, if you check in with your partner or your child or whoever it is, your parent, and it leads to some kind of positive outcome, that also is good for mental health, isn't it? Because when you help people, there's hmm. one of the most powerful things, isn't it, for mental health? You know, it's it gives you a sort of it often gives you a sort of uh, better sense of self-efficacy right a, oh, yeah. a, a sense of, of accomplishment wow you actually made a difference and that can be started just from from checking in right well,
1: any thoughts on that It's why i do why i'm here <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely 100 i agree yeah
0: Mm. James is always well I should say James is always supporting me I'm always I'm always we're <laughs> always sort of communicating I'm always like James you know I'm feeling a bit stressed and, you know that's like, oh Chris let's talk it through <laughs> so I mean it, yeah it, it, it certainly has helped with James and I when we talk um but for sure you know uh just checking in with your family uh, is going to be helpful isn't it communication you know it seems obvious think- but it's possibly worth reminding people that
2: I think so too and I think you know two minds are always better than one um you know because like again it gives us a bit a bit more of a, a an additional thinking capacity um and yes you know sometimes when I work with autistic young people I always um I'm always very mindful that you know they don't know me very well when if they've just just arrived or but uh, you know, and I'm, and I can only go by what they tell me. And I always ask them, you know, what works for you? What What's the thing okay. that worries you the most? And what What works for you? How can we, you know, what are the things that you dread the most? And how can we help you to deal with those? And just making a step by step thing is for them very. Sometimes they haven't even done that breakdown of ideas uh, until they, they come you know and then they realise that actually this is something I can use here or there so to do that within the family is also very important so with if it's uh, an autistic young person or uh, or an adult or to just have someone who is aware of of the, of the things that you may need to do it's a little bit of what I said earlier but um, I think it's you know, to have another mind and to have connectedness is such a great thing. And sometimes it takes us out of the dark hole that we get ourselves into. Like you were saying, Chris, sometimes we, we all feel overwhelmed and sort of a, in a bit of a, oh, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually you speak to a friend and so, suddenly, you know, the, the fog begins to, to, you know, to dispel and, and you can see things a bit more clearly. Um, so, in, in in the case of autistic people, I think um, having someone in the family or or several people in the family who are aware of what works for you and what doesn't work for you, um, just the knowledge that this person knows what you're feeling or what you might be feeling, that alone is a help.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah just just the mindfulness in someone else who may not be who may be doing their own thing, but you are aware that if you feel um, anxious or you feel as if you might want to have a meltdown, um, this other person is there and they might understand and they wouldn't understand. Um, Or you can go and say, actually, I'm not feeling great. Um, So I think think these things are really important. and, And obviously, you know... The families that i work with normally work very hard at this and at, at understanding the the signs mm. uh, in the young person to to be able to help them out when they need it
0: that's great thank you we've got a question here from uh, nadia uh Jalad, who says mm-hmm. my three and a half year old non-verbal son has started to hit and smack smack mainly everything mm. in his sight it started since we have been social distancing at home and he's not at nursery no. uh, okay with well, that started nadia you know almost as soon as he you know this change occurred and he you know he's he's at home and self isolating i'd say that's almost almost certainly down to anxiety you know that's mm-hmm. that's a, that's a sort of symptom a product if you like of the issues that we're talking about for sure you know the the anxieties, mm. the the stress, the confusion, uh, uh, and uh, I, I would say that's very very likely, especially since it started after this this big change happened uh, mm. and uh, routines went down went went you know downwards. So my advice yeah. to you would be to sort of follow if you haven't tuned tune in from the beginning, rewind. We're going to have a record. I'm going to record have this recording made available on our charity uh, page Facebook page and also our youtube channel uh, which you can find by going to youtube.com and just searching for London autism group charity uh, and listen to the sort of the advice um, listen to the advice that that uh, we've been talking about I mean there is not going to be a magic wand with this sort of situation unfortunately there's nothing that we, we can say that's going to suddenly you know uh, uh, lead him to stop doing this and I imagine it's very very distressing and mm. scary and anxiety-provoking for you. I, I mean, crikey, I can't imagine, mm. you so my heart go out to you a lot. Yes. Uh, but I do think it's ultimately likely to be down to these anxieties and, um, uh, uh, you know, distress and confusion. So um, it's going to just be about implementing some of those things that we've been talking about really, and, and hope to see see some, some changes and improvements. As your son finds a new routine, a new structure, um, uh, and uh, you know, you look after each other in the way that we've been talking about. Um, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that one, guys.
1: I, James, you go first. Okay, um, it kind of reminds me of um, when my son was that age; um, he got a special place. Um, Uh, children don't normally get a place at nursery school so young but he was um globally developmentally delayed um and uh the um local authority uh pushed to have him put put into a nursery school um and um part of the time he went part of the week he went to um oakley school which is a special school but um it was only for partially part of the week and part of the week he was in a, a mainstream nursery and in the mainstream nursery, um, they didn't really have um, one-to-one, which is what he really needed. Um, so because of that, um, his, his teacher, at the, he had a teacher for a month and he was getting on fine because she gave him lots of extra time, but then she went off sick. And I noticed, um. I noticed um, I would drop him, there they you know and they they didn't have any anything negative to report back so i kept dropping him he he started hitting himself um in the groin area which is the most one of the most sensitive parts of the body um and he was doing this a lot at home so i came in with him and i said look is there anything that's changed here and they said well the teacher's gone off gone off sick uh, and they weren't um, able to give him the extra time anymore. So I, I went in and watched what they were doing with him in the morning, and they were basically just leaving him a lot of the time to his own devices, and he had severe anxiety because of that. So now it's still now, whenever he's left to his own devices, whenever he's bored, he's unsure of what to do, he will do that hitting um, and what he's actually doing by hitting is creating a sensory, um, a powerful sensory sensation in his body, and he's he's regulating because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, even even though it's quite self-harmful, so um, what might be might be useful if he is using it to regulate is to introduce lots of um, sensory play. Um, things like um, if you have um, an, an exercise ball that he can bounce on or um, messy play, you know that kind of thing um, any there's there's a, a website called the sensory projects and they will have lots of resources on there that you that you can find um, There's a lady called Joanna Grace uh, and she's a sensory expert Uh, we've actually in the autism podcast I've interviewed her uh, which is on our our website there so yeah possibly um, possibly that might be one way to to address the problem
0: just yeah I just want to sort of highlight that James that uh, Nadia please if you haven't listened if you haven't listened to it go and have a listen to the interview that James did with Joanna Grace uh, which is all about uh, the sensory world Uh, and how that really interacts with everything and and all the complexities. It's really fascinating. Uh, You might get some useful tips and insights that you hadn't realized before that might be helpful. So you can do that by going to Google and just searching for The Autism Podcast or just get get a podcast app on your phone, perhaps the Apple Podcasts app, and searching for The Autism Podcast, and, and you'll see it. If you if you don't find it, just let us know, and we'll we'll direct you. Uh, but yeah, that's really, a really good point. Um, that that yeah, the 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 um, the the action of, of hitting and smacking it is likely to be a sort of sensory regulation thing, isn't it? Um,
1: well,
2: I mean, I was I was thinking that also it's. Um, it's also, he's truly wondering what's going on.
0: Yes, yeah.
2: Uh, you know, I mean, so his sort of protest, uh, I know it's a sensory expression, but it's also a protest of why am I not going back to school? Why are we all at home mm-hmm. all the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, why, has, why have things changed so much so suddenly? Um, I was thinking of something that they use in, in the school where I work, which is the social stories books. Um, which involves sort of things that happen, uh, like, for example, going on holiday. It means that they make a book with a picture of of their home, of the plane that they're going to go into, of the place that you're going to go to, the people that you're going to see at the other end, and then coming back and coming back to, to school. So I was just wondering, and it's all visual, but I was just wondering whether there has to be Uh, an acknowledgement from the part of the parents to this child that suddenly has, for no reason that he can understand, has stopped going to nursery school, has stopped seeing other children, you know, has stopped seeing his teachers. So normally uh, schools have websites, so it's not difficult to obtain photographs from the classroom or the teacher or, you know, a number of things that might look familiar to him. Because I think that he needs to understand that that is still there and that he will go back to that place one day. I think he needs an explanation, actually, mm. because, you know, I mean, it's, it's really difficult for us to have to accept lockdown. For a yeah. child who's not verbal is phenomenally difficult. It's, yes. it's, mm. it's really it's sort of quite a, somewhat like an impossible task, but the visuals work really well, which is when children understand that they've been yeah. in the, this place, they're now here, and at some point, we're going to be here for, for some days and then we'll go back there. So it's, it's almost like, you know, like I said, an acknowledgement that there has been a big change in our life and in his life.
0: Yeah, yeah, fully agree.
2: Um, and, you know, a deep sense of loss about his school and his teacher and the children in his class and the activities that he does there. If he's happy at nursery school, which... The indication is that he, he may be. Um so, you know, sort of social story books, which you know school can make, but the parents can ma- make them too, which they consist of just sort of visual, could be photographs of the places that they know. Um sorry I'm doing this, I'm covering the camera. <laughs> I'm yeah. just imagining yeah. different pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, And because, you know, sometimes children have to go on long plane journeys to visit their families. And this really helps, you know, to do this beforehand, because then the children know that after the plane and the sitting there for X number of hours, they will get to this house where you will see these people. Um, And all these things, I think, are very helpful for children, because then at the end of that, there is another continuation, which is you will get on another plane and you will come back home. So it's the idea that, you know, we can deviate from our ordinary routine by doing this, this and this, and then we will come back to, you know, to where we, where we live or where we belong. Um, and I think this can be very useful tools for nonverbal children in, in particular.
0: Yeah. Thank you, um, Lola. Fully agree. Thanks. Thanks, James. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just seen, Nadia, you've just added there that you don't know how good his understanding is. He has global delay. And you've also said that you are going to try, that you're going to try doing these things for sure. So that's, that's great to hear. Right. Um, just as, as to your previous point about how good his understanding is, yeah, I think for you, it's not going to be you know, a matter of, of really knowing how good his understanding is, but rather measuring and assessing changes in his observable Physical self and his behaviours. Do you know what I mean? So you can gauge gauge things as to how his anxiety might be reducing and how how much calmer he might be and more, more happier in himself he might be, simply from his non-verbals, his uh, uh, his subtle interactions uh, and his behaviours as well. And and you know, you're, even though he's maybe you know um, non-verbal, as you said earlier, there are other ways. Of communicate of communicating communication happens on a on many different in many different ways so I think you can there are, there are ways of entering his world and, and sort of assessing how he's feeling as a parent also you're going to have a, a feel a good feel for how how he's doing uh, too so
2: I'm also I'm so, sorry I've interrupted you no I was just thinking about um, perhaps in, uh, doing activities with him that are similar to what he does at school, you know, sort yes. of making links. Really, yeah. But yeah. he needs, these links have to be made. He was there and suddenly he's here. Not yeah. only he's here, he's here all the time mm. with his parents. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's a big change. So That's a great, great point. So making links with, with that place that he's temporarily lost, uh, it's, you know, it's an acknowledgement that that place exists inside his mind and you know there can be things that you can do to link them up, link last, it up. The
0: yeah, the last thing I'll say about it, Nadia, is also look after yourself and your partner's self, your own well-being. Because if you're well, if you're feeling well and calm, um, you're then able to sort of engage in these in these uh, uh, quite complex, challenging, you know, uh, situations and tasks. But do so. Do try and perhaps heed some of Lola's earlier advice about you know, self-care, um, you know,
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh, communicating with, with your family and your other half and, and look after yourself as well. Try and get that sleep, you know, engage in things that you find enjoyable, you know, uh, you know, do the basics as well, like sleep, nutrition, exercise. Yes,
2: and, and, and don't feel bad putting yourself first because parents need to look after themselves to be able to look after their children. Yeah. So you know, parents are important. It's not all about all about self sacrifice. It's not about that. It's about you being well. You staying strong to meet yeah. the challenges that you're going to have because yeah. there will be many others, and you need to you need you know you need to look after your own well being um, yeah. for the sake of your your for your own sake for the sake of your marriage for the sake of or your you know your partner for the sake of your entire family. Um, so you know take time out to do that make sure there are things that you do for yourself that you enjoy and make you feel good
0: okay so that's wonderful you're welcome nadia i'm glad that's helpful for you um so actually it's coming up to an hour um so this is, this live stream was scheduled for 8 30 to 9 30 and we're, we're um we're there so um are there any other sort of additional thoughts or points either of you want want to make just to sort of, um, uh, uh, you know, transition out of this live stream. (laughs) Mm. Any other thoughts or questions? Um, Anything else that you wanted to pick up?
1: I I wanted to briefly ask Lola um, if uh, I was thinking about um, how we deal with stress and what's a healthy way to deal with it, because what I tend to do is, uh i mean we're we're sort of under a lot more stress than usual at the moment um Mm -hmm. and i tend to sort of compartmentalize my thoughts at the moment and put the worst things aside you know to and try to get on with the present um but so is that a healthy way to do it or is there another way to do it what do you think lola
2: well james i think It's a bit what I said earlier, that, you know, everybody needs to find their own way. Mm. And I think, you know, thinking about the present, thinking about the here and now and not looking too wide is one way of doing that, you know. Mm. Sort of tackle what you've got in front of you, unless there is something really pressing that, you know, like having to pay your rent or whatever, or your phone bill, or you're going to be cut off, (laughs) you know. Um, Everything else, you see, this is a time that where the whole country is stressed, the whole of Europe is stressed, in fact the whole world is stressed. So I'm saying this because uh, at the moment we all need to cut ourselves some slack because there aren't many places where we can run from this. You cannot go on holiday, Mm -hmm. you cannot um, do a lot of things that you would be doing to, you know, uh, or you cannot go out with a friend, you know. You have to Think about the day to day and try to diminish the or at least locate where your stress is and deal with that, deal one at a time. And whatever from weight, if and if one day you're not feeling very strong, if one day you've had a bad sleep and you're not feeling very well, if it's not urgent, leave it, leave it, think about it and tackle it tomorrow. It's not a bad thing to actually think, actually, I'm not having a good day today. And I just I'm going to make it easy for myself Mm. Um, and leave that for another time. So, you know, look at the the overall view of what is stressful and try to pick the, the things that you can tackle in a way that you can manage without feeling that it's too much for you. Um, and leave the, the leave the rest it doesn't mean that you have to procrastinate eternally but there are some days where we all feel we can okay today i'm going to make that phone call or today i'm going to do that or i'm going to go shopping or i'm going to try go and try to see if i find toilet roll
1: <laughs> which is
2: a challenge for the entire country at the moment <laughs> you know there are things that there are tasks that are a bit harder and some days you're able to tackle those and some other days you just don't have it in you. And that's fine, really. Yes. I, I don't know if I have been able to help James, but you know, I think we all we'll have to think to be a bit kinder to ourselves yeah. at the moment.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I find that reassuring, really, um, <laughs> that I'm not doing anything wrong. So that's reassuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: Okay.
0: Excellent. Um, okay. So, um, unless either of you have any other points that you wanted to raise, um, I think we'll probably sort of slowly end it there. Um, Just a couple of things I just want to highlight before we uh, finish. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned the autism podcast earlier. I just also want to draw people's attention to the episode that we did with Lola. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Please go and listen to that. It's fantastic. We talk about many interesting things. I think are very pertinent to the current situation that we're in. Uh, with regard to mental health and some of the, the issues that we've talked about today. Um, yeah, please go and listen to that podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, it would be very useful. Um, and also next week, uh, we're going to have another live stream. We're aiming to have it with Robert White, who who's, who came second in um, Britain's Got Talent uh, mm. a couple of years ago, a comedian, the autistic comedian, uh, who's been really supportive of the charity and a good friend of mine. So um, we'd we'll, we'll be very excited to have him on, perhaps cheer us all up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I just want to say a big thank you, uh, Lola, to you for taking the time uh, and you know giving us your energy, you know, and your insight. I think it's been really, really useful. Uh, and so I just want to sort of give you a big thanks, uh, and you too, James. Thanks. Thanks, is it? well it's you, you know i
2: think this is a time when we all have to help each other if it's all possible so if this has been able to help someone and i you know i think that is great so i'm i'm pleased to be able to do this
0: okay all right so um i think we'll check out now um and uh, hope to talk to you all very soon again at some point in the future so take care everyone bye